2: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: From batting Mars bars to spiking their orange juice with creatine, Arsene Wenger ran a tight ship at Arsenal. I'm a bit concerned, yes, because uh, the discipline is important. But there was one player in his famous Invincible squad who couldn't be tamed. He went, Stacky, he went, your name comes out every other day. Meet the Gucci flogging, ticket touting, enfant terrible. Backup goalkeeper, Graham Stack. I'm Jack, I'm joined as always by Zach. Hello Jack. Hello, and we got Mr George Cooper with us. Hello mate, you right. You will recognise him as the voice of the Crazy Gang episode. Yes. We're, we're, we're sort of uh, diving into a lesser known name here, I suppose. Not yeah. not
0: many people have necessarily heard of Graham Stack, unless they've heard him on, on other pods. Yeah, I have to be honest, I I hadn't heard of him until we started doing the research for this, or for, for the thread that we initially did about him.
1: It's a quality story because it, it harks back to like an era before before Arsene Wenger turned up and banned Mars bars, basically football was more like this. And Graham Stack sort of represents that. Doesn't yeah. He?
0: I mean, he was obviously part of the Invincibles team, but he's has a lot more of the sort of Arsenal nineties culture about him. This like Tuesday club era where players were boozing and partying a lot. He's, he's kind of got that, that sort of spirit. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, th- there's like stories Paul Merson recalls, on the way into training, doing cocaine in the back of a taxi, which I always find <laughs> so mental. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had a bit of a problem. That. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> it's a bit different. different. Sure. I'm not suggesting Graham Sack had that, but like that's how much football changed, thanks to Arsene Wenger, really, right? With Famously banning the miles pass, but just bringing in this concern for fitness and health. Mm. Um, so it's, it's quite a special story in that there's a player who didn't conform to that. And uh, got up to all sorts of hijinks as well.
3: Yeah, sort of like a relic of the past, didn't he? An artifact of a former bygone era. Yeah. And uh, do you think, like, I always wonder when Wenger came to Arsenal and, you know, started getting people to do bleep tests at six in the morning and so on, how the sort of transition period must have been pretty jarring and unpleasant. I bet he was really unpopular to begin with. But then, obviously, when the success came, now he's seen as the arguably the man who sort of changed modern football into what it is, but it would have been really shit. Imagine like having a laugh with your mess mates, like getting hammered every Tuesday and then all of a sudden that just all goes and changes.
1: Isn't there a story that they were literally chanting on the back of the team bus, we want our Mars bars back? Because he like, took them
3: away. <laughs> it's all like when Jamie Oliver tried to get rid of the turkey twizzlers and uh, <laughs> it was like processed by the, by the parents showing off at the school gates. Yeah. Do you think
1: Arsene Vega, in a sense, he slightly ruined modern sport by creating that new vibe?
3: I don't know about ruin. He definitely took it into the next phase, but... There's a lot less anecdotes now because everyone's so media trained, and obviously the money that's come. There's you, you get less characters like Graham Stack, mm. which is a shame. I think
0: I've always wondered. Ars- Arsene Wenger came from managing in France and Japan, I think Switzerland it and Japan. Switzerland, and Japan. So, did other big leagues at that time have a more professional culture than in English football? And it was it that Arsene Wenger Europeanized English football, or did he drag football? in general forward.
1: Yeah, I don't know. He also, I think he dragged sport in general forward because you see it in other sports too, even mm. like cricket. But I guess the question is, would someone else have done it if
0: he hadn't? Yeah, that was, that's, that's what I'm wondering. Right. <laughs> None <laughs> of us know, no. <laughs> <we>? <laughs> All right, should we kick off? Let's hear this yeah, crazy let's do tale. It. So Graham Stack grew up in a in a pub called the Shire Horse in Hounslow in West London. Um, his parents were the, the landlords of the pub and he talks about going to sleep with... The music from the jukebox drifting up through the floorboards. He signed for Arsenal when he was when he was sixteen, and I think the idea was that his dad would drive him into training. You know, it's on, it's on the other side of London. But he he said in a podcast, living in a pub, my dad was partial to a four day bender. <laughs> um, so more often than not, his uh, his dad got him to drive the car. He's sixteen at this point, so he recalls uh, driving at like a hundred miles an hour down the M twenty five. With his dad, like passed out in the front seat, and has this one story of uh, pulling up in his dad's Ford escort in the car park. And Liam Brady, who's the Arsenal youth team coach, comes over and is like, Graham, what are you doing driving? You're like 16. Just like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. My old man's asleep. So, uh. <laughs>
3: Christ. <laughs>
0: That is kind of people who grow up
1: in pubs do grow up a bit quicker, don't they? I mean, Luke Little—that <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is the <a laughs> obvious name that it's comes to mind. Yeah. You see, you know, obviously everyone says he doesn't look sixteen, but have you seen the picture of him aged eleven going around?
0: No, nice. he, he looks a lot older than eleven. Anyway, I saw—I saw, I saw the, this video of him playing darts when he was, like, who's supposedly eighteen months old, and at that stage he looked about four. <laughs> 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 pubs, you grow up fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're living off scampy fries and paw uh, scratching, yeah, <laughs> flat beer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think after after seeing this uh this scene, Liam Brady was a bit like fuck yeah, like I think we need to get get Graham into a bit more of a professional environment. So he convinces him to move into digs to move in with like a family nearby the training ground, which Graham really really likes, and he becomes part of this actually a very successful Arsenal youth team. So they win the. FA Youth Cup in 2000 it's a good team they've got Steve Sidwell Jay Boothroyd Jermaine Pennant friend of the pod friend of the pod (laughs) it was actually Graham Stack who told this story about Jermaine turning up for a meeting with Liam Brady the youth coach which I think they were all normally quite nervous for these meetings but Jermaine just rocked up like half an hour late came in on his phone with a bag of McDonald's so Graham said that Jermaine was like he was he was the one who was always always getting in trouble. Although so another teammate of his from that time recalled Graham pissing on people in the shower after training. Who's stacky? <laughs> stacky, yeah, yeah.
2: That's
1: um, we.
0: Barry Balatelli did the same thing, didn't he? Yeah, as a yeah, yeah, player? yeah. Was it a thing back then? Just a bit of no. I guess if, of all the places to piss on people, the shower is probably the the most considerate to do it. <laughs> true if, if you're gonna do it yeah
3: it's one of the more extreme shower pranks that I've heard of there's a classic one where someone's trying to get the shampoo out of their hair and you just keep squirting it on top of their heads <laughs> and then can't understand why it's not going away but yeah pissing on someone's taking it a bit forever. are we picturing
1: like uh, prison or school showers where it's just like one big room with lots of showers mm, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that's kind of legit isn't it as, as a prank yeah, that's it's quite, a, well
3: pissing it's... on someone <laughs> I, it's, I'm quite concerned, Jack, because you've been trying to get me to join uh, the the gym that we go to near our offices. If, if those are the sort of antics that you're going to be pulling out, I shall be taking my membership elsewhere. And in
1: fact, on the extra short podcast, wasn't I? I was talking about how I like people Very to be naked. Pro nudity. Yeah, if you yeah. come with me, George, you will have to be naked <laughs> throughout, and I will piss
0: on you. <laughs> Good enough for Stacky. <laughs> yeah, but they they all get along well. Wow, these uh the youth team they go on this trip together to Ibiza. Stacky says, I remember being in Esparadise when I was 17 with a vest on and a big cigar. But obviously they're, they're all in the youth and they're 17, they're on like 50 quid a week and they're in Ibiza, which is pretty fucking expensive. So they're just like rocking about for the whole week, getting in trouble, jumping cabs, uh, mind sweeping drinks off tables and bars, which... It's a pretty risky business in BFAR. In, Bifa, I think. What, in know, case there's something else in the jury. Yeah, you don't know what's been sprinkled in there. Free though. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> 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 <Little> Brucey bonus. <laughs> Apparently, he he says that they, they actually still go away together now, the old youth team from that era, which is quite sweet. There was another, another good story from his time in the youth team. So they're obviously all living in digs in different houses around the area and the Arsenal team bus would come to collect them in the morning to take them to training and apparently the driver, he, he'd always get pissed off because the players were like standing up and walking around. So he'd had a little trick where he'd just like tap the brakes a bit so that they'd like fall forward. And anyway, Stacky like becomes mates with the driver. And one day he comes in, he's like, mate, I've I passed my driving test. He's like, oh, congrats. Like, that's, that's, that's brilliant, Graham. And Graham's like, yeah, so it's right if I take the, take the bus for a spin. He's like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, I'll, I'll get, in, I'll get in trouble. And Graham convinces him, he's, he's like, yeah, just, just to the end of the road of the training ground, or literally just to the gate. And the driver's like, okay, sure. And he gets behind the wheel, the driver's standing there being like, you know, put the clutch down, first gear, blah, blah, blah. And he drives off down the, the street and he just thinks, he's, he suddenly clocks it, he's like, all right, it's time to give the driver a taste of his own medicine. So he speeds up a little bit and then slams his foot on the brake. <laughs> Driver goes flying into the windscreen, cracks the windscreen, and ends up in like a crumpled heap at the bottom of the bottom of the stairs on the bus. Ends up needing three stitches in his head, like smashes his glasses. Oh, but afterwards, they both of them are like, "Fuck, we, we're gonna get in trouble for this." Like Graham's like, "Oh, they are gonna get in a little bit of trouble." The driver's like, "Fuck, I'm gonna just let a youth team player <laughs> drive the bus. Like, I'm gonna get <laughs> fucking sacked." So they cook up this story that on the way in, some Spurs fans had spotted this bus with Arsenal Plus on the side and had, had chucked rocks at it. And that's how the windscreen got cracked. And they, they managed to get away with that, actually. Well, they're it's not just, like, why do you also have a head injury? Yeah. Yeah. Also, you've got to hit the glass hard to yeah, yeah, yeah. crack it on yeah. a bus. Yeah. yeah. Also,
3: should, would you not be able to tell that it's clearly been cracked from the inside as well? <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what the sort of detective skills are of uh, Arsene Wenger and his, his team, yeah. but... Yeah, I think you'd be able to tell that was a lie, surely. It's the last manager yeah, I trying. They,
0: apparently they get away with it. Better yeah. play. <laughs> so, you know what you were saying before about the youth team players not being on a lot of money, but they're obviously hanging around the training ground where there's the first team who is on a, on, a, on a lot more cash. And Stacky one time gets bet by Ray Parler and Francis Jeffers. Uh, they bet him 200 quid that he can't stick his head in the, the ice bath for a minute. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, um, so like two hundred quid, mate. Yeah, go on, I'll do that. And um, so he sticks his head into this this ice bath, and they're like counting down a minute on the outside, like slow as they can. He says he's probably in there for like a minute and a half, and um, eventually pulls his head out just as Liam Brady, the youth team coach, walks in, and he's like pulls it out, like can barely see. He's like basically got hypothermia, his lips have gone blue, like about to pass out. And Liam's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And um, gives everyone a bollocking, but you see, he gets his gets his two hundred quid in the end. So oh, it worth was, it. I, mean, I don't know how long it took him to recover. I mean, a minute is for a like, long time. Oh, yeah, yeah in, a, just, in a in a bucket of icy water, just
3: to hold your breath for that long. Yeah, it rem- yeah. Oh, right. like, this reminds me of, the sort of you know the sort of antics that you get up to at school. And uh, I remember one time we did a whip round uh, to try and encourage uh, Mikey McDonald to jump in the swimming pool with his clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it doesn't get better than that, does it? When you look back at your life and those moments where you literally like almost sort of passed out from laughing it all comes from stupid antics like oh, so he did it yeah he did it yeah yeah
1: it's great Mikey McDonald the perfect name for that yeah, story
3: yeah <laughs> yeah but I mean would you do it 200 quid
1: or jump in the no pl- no no, <laughs> no head in ice bath <laughs> now. Uh, no no it, it's hard to hold your breath for a minute anyway mm. and that would really hurt
3: yeah I mean if you believe the uh, teachings of Wim Hof you'd be fucking zen though yeah there, true
1: <laughs> also 200 quid back then is like 400 now yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I reckon for four, if it was 400 quid I reckon. I, I mate, we could Should we do do fill up the sink? Can or just yeah, yeah. <laughs> do a whip round of the. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's actually another similar story. I think this is a bit later on in in Saki's career, where he he's having a night out with some mates, and they're they're all getting ready at the house, having some drinks. They've got the ironing board out to iron their shirts, and Sacky's mates there. He's got a shirt off, and Graham's. oh, this will be funny. Like picks up the iron, stamps it onto his mate's back, and like holds it there bit too long like pulls it away it's like fucking hell it's like it's properly burnt and this guy is like screaming and um Saki's like shit I'm, I'm actually really sorry mate like that was <laughs> that was too far I didn't think that was gonna happen like you know what an eye for an eye you do it back to me and he's <laughs> like oh all right yeah let, let's do that so um so his mate gets the iron and, and like prints it onto his back holds it there for like five seconds and pulls it away and it like rips the skin off his back. Like horrible. Something Scarface would do. Yeah, that's yeah. prison prison yeah. shit. Yeah. It's like Isn't Mexican it? drug cartel yeah. sort of torture I, tactics. That's love you said
1: he held it on there for a bit too long. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. For me, <laughs> any contact yeah. with a hot iron is too long. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. hot.
0: But no, um, Stacky comes out really badly, he has this huge scab on his back and he's got to go into training on Monday morning. He's like, fucking hell, like I've got this huge scab on my back. It's going to come off every time I dive. So apparently it takes forever to heal, um, because yeah, it just scrapes off every time oh, he Oh, That sounds like agony. Yeah. Burns are the
3: worst sort of pain. Yeah, isn't they it? are
0: horrible. And um he said that he he had this T shirt that he would put on after training when the scab was really raw that he'd cut an iron shaped hole out of because <laughs> otherwise, yeah, you can imagine. But he he says he still has that scar now. He's got an iron shaped scar on his really? back. Yeah.
1: It is basically impossible to imagine modern day footballers doing shit like that isn't it yeah it's just different era
0: yeah yeah <laughs> in 2002 Arsene Wenger decided that Graham needed a bit of first team football experience so he sends him out on loan to Beveren in Belgium uh, it's a bit of a dynasty of a team that Beveren had then they had Kolo Touré, Yaya Touré, Stacky Steve Sidwell as well. Steve couldn't get into the team barely because a 17-year-old Yaya was was tearing it up. So they have the Torre brothers and a couple of quite average <laughs> English <people laughs> <couple of, laughs> A couple of 17-year-old Arsenal youth teamers. And there's this uh, this one game. So Graham becomes the first team goalkeeper at Beveren for that season. And there's this one game there up against hated local rivals Antwerp. And Antwerp's ultras are pretty notorious for, for being pretty rough, pretty... Um, very big hooligans. And during this game, they're like locked in this cage behind the goal. It's this very sort of 1980s football scene. You know, the the fans are like battery chickens um, in this cage. And they're giving it to Saki for the whole game, like chucking stuff at him. Um, shouting and eventually he snaps and throws something back into the crowd which just riles them up even more and about 30 of them managed to kick down the gate of this cage and run onto the pitch. Two of them go over to, to like attack him. First one comes over and Stacky just decks him with a right-hander and then the second one kind of sees that and is like, oh fuck yeah like backs off. But this makes Graham like absolutely legend with the Beveren fans so the next next morning he wakes up and a fan's left boxing gloves on his doorstep <laughs> and it also he becomes a bit of a celeb in Belgium as well this story spreads quite a lot and he becomes quite infamous with this I think the story gets back gets back home as well yeah I mean fair uh, enough
1: what else was he meant to do just get beaten up yeah yeah he actually lands three punches it's impressive you can see what how that made him a celeb in Belgium yeah yeah so obviously it's it's a massive story in Belgium and word does get back to the UK so when Stackey comes back to Arsenal in the summer He's thinking, oh, I'm going to be in a bit of trouble here. I'll probably be languishing in the reserves. And he's especially nervous because he's already crossed the top brass at Arsenal before. So the season before he went on loan to Beveren, he is in the reserves, basically Arsenal. He's not in the first team squad, but he's, you know, around it. And on match days, all the players, even the ones outside the squad are, are there sitting behind the dugout in what's known as the paddock. And, uh, when Liverpool come to visit Highbury, it's a massive game, obviously. It's, you know, Arsenal going for the title around this time. And, uh, you know, all the players are thinking this is this is a huge game. But for Graham, it's just the chance for a nice little earner. So at halftime in the Liverpool-Arsenal game, he sneaks out to a burger van at the back of the stadium and has a, a quick illicit burger and a Coke. And he's sitting there chomping on his, you know, on the onions as they... Fall out the burger when he notices just outside the stadium gates. There's this scouser, this Liverpool fan, who's like stumbling around, and he spots Stacky and just sort of staggers towards him. And he's like, "You got a ticket, mate!" And the guys, the guy's looking for a ticket, even though it's half-time of the match. He's clearly hammered. And Graham's like, oh, "This is a bit of an opportunity." <laughs> so he, he goes up to the to the railings and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I got a ticket, I got a ticket." And he pulls out his paddock pass, which is what enables you to like walk down the tunnel and sit behind the dugouts. With you know, with all the Arsenal players, and the guy's like, "Oh, sound, sound. How much do you want for it?" So he he flogs it to him for fifty quid, and uh, the the is like, well, "Where are the seats?" And Graham's just like, "Yeah, yeah, they're over there," and points in like the complete opposite direction. Takes his money and thinks, "I'm never going to see this bloke ever again." The bloke's completely <laughs> hammered. So F- Graham finishes his burger. He he goes back to take his seat behind the Arsenal dugout. The game restarts, and about five minutes into the second half. He's, he's watching the play when suddenly in the corner of his eye, he just sees this Liverpool fan stagger down the tunnel and the bloke's just standing between the two dugouts. So between Arsene Wenger and <laughs> Gerard Houllier, I guess. And uh, Stacky's like, oh shit. And apparently this, this Liverpool fan's just standing there, like can't believe where he is. And he's like sort of on the spot doing a 360, just staring <laughs> around the stadium. At one point he's blocking the view of Pat Rice, Arsene Wenger's assistant, who's like having to like move to look around him. And eventually people are like, oh, what's going on? The stewards arrive and the Liverpool fan shows him shows him his ticket and they're a bit confused, but they're like, all right, let's just get him sat down. So they bring him over to the players' paddock. And obviously he's meant to be in Graham's seat. So Graham sits on the floor and just quickly grabs the scouts and he's like, sit there. Liam Brady, the youth coach at this point, has <laughs> caught on to what's going on and is looking at Stacky, like, what the hell's going on? And Stack's like, oh shit, I'm in trouble here. So he's just like, pulls the bloke down. Apparently the Scouser turns to him and goes, good seats these, is it? <laughs> He's like, yeah, mate, they are good seats. <laughs> <laughs> you the fucking pa- players paddock. <laughs> so anyway, he's just like, just don't say anything. Just sit, sit here. His teammates kind of getting cotton on to what's going on. They start like pelting the bloke with sweets. And he's like, oh shit. And then uh, apparently he kind of calms the situation down. Everyone's eyes oh, return to the game. And then Liverpool have a chance and they hit the bar from like 30 yards out. And this Liverpool fan just stands up and he's like, ooh! <laughs> Everyone else in the Arsenal section is just like, what is going on? It's like he's just like on the floor with his head in his hands. Anyway, game ends and uh, he's, he's like, oh my God, that was so hectic. Turns around to look at this Liverpool fan to be like, what am I going to do with you? And the bloke's just gone. And he's, Graham's like, okay, good. I'm, I'm off the hook here. I can just move on. Um, so he's walking back down the tunnel at the end of the game and as he passes the Liverpool dressing room, he sees... This Liverpool fan who he sold the ticket to, standing outside, being apprehended by two policemen, and the blokes (laughs) trying to get into the Liverpool dressing room to like talk to the players. And as Graham passes, the scout is like, "That's him! That's my mate! He sold me the ticket!" And Stacks just like, "Fuck!" Head down, (laughs) just walks off, being like, "Don't know you mate." (laughs) Anyway, apparently he, um, he Liam Brady obviously calls him in you know, on Monday after the game. And it's like, what was that? And apparently he's actually quite light on him and doesn't get in too much trouble, but it has caught the attention of, uh, you know, Wenger and Pat Rice, who saw the whole, whole darn shooting match. So when he returns from Beveren, you know, he's thinking I've got a few blots on my record already. You know, that's the team bus thing as well. I'm I'm going to be languishing the reserves, but he's surprised that that summer during preseason, he he's told to go and see the gaffer, see Arsene Wenger, which you know he's never done before. And Wenger calls him into his office and like, you know, makes space among the files of Ray Parler's blood glucose tests (laughs) and like weird tactical sketches. Uh, And he's like, "Uh, Graham, have a seat. And uh, Stacky's like, yes, Gaffer. And he's like, "Um, Graham, Stuart Taylor is, uh, how you say, injured. So you will be my number two keeper this season. And Stack's like,
0: what, fuck?
1: I'm going to be the backup goalkeeper for Jens Lehmann is obviously the first choice keeper, who's like it's sort of kindred spirits, him and Jens. You know? Yeah, well, they're both mental, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, Jens Lehmann was, I guess in, as his playing, in his playing days, he was mainly known for like nearly getting sent off by just going absolutely mental. Yeah. But then we did, we did a story on him recently that, I'm talking in retirement, Jens Lehmann's next door neighbour, that he lives by like a lake in Bavaria and his next door neighbour built this outhouse that blocks his view of the lake. And Jens was livid about this and you know most people would probably go through the proper channels but instead apparently the neighbor said he just woke up in the middle of the night one night heard this noise looked out the window and jens Lehmann was on the roof of his outhouse hacking away with
0: a chainsaw (laughs) he'd like broken in he'd also like disabled the cctv and come in and like cut through the cctv cable with a chainsaw and then just like set about cutting through the beams in the roof was he actually expecting to knock the whole thing down with the chainsaw
1: was it just like he's so angry just to stab it yeah Yeah, it's a statement anyway so that's the that's the sort of nutter who he's going to be the understudy to Um, so Staggy's like yes yes, Gaffer thank you I'd love to be the number two to Jens Lehmann and Wenger's obviously like you know and Graham one more thing no more half time (laughs) burgers we and like sends him out of his office Um, so so Graham is the uh, the number two at uh, Arsenal, and and you think like having suddenly made it into this famous squad. I mean, this is this is an Arsenal team who were runners up the season before they've won the double under Wenger. You're basically playing for one of the best teams in the world. You'd think that Graham would probably take it quite seriously, but apparently he early on manages to cross Wenger when after a game, he boards the team bus and he's clutching a big share of bag of Werther's Originals. <laughs> and he says he had a Diet Coke in his hand as well. And he went diet because he thought, full fat Coke, you can't be doing that. Now it's in the first <laughs> team. <laughs> anyway, but he's like munching on these Werther's Originals, like handing them out to the other players. And he keeps seeing Wenger, like looking back at him on the bus, like disapprovingly. And eventually Wenger has a word with the team chef and the chef comes over and it's like, great mate, you've got you've to get rid of those. And he has to like ceremoniously put them in the bin in front of everyone.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't have had him down as a Withers original guy. That's quite, that's quite like... That. That's granny, quite your bag, granny isn't it, George? <laughs> yeah. Granny on a long train journey. Yeah, George, George
1: brings his own tea bags and a little Tupperware and
3: to the office. Been rinsed for it ever since. <laughs> or do you describe it as like a granny on a long train journey? Yeah. I've got a little Tupperware with my tea bags. The, the ones that we got aren't strong enough. Need <laughs> I say more?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: So I guess, again, Wenger's a bit like, oh, who is this guy I've got as my understudy? But Stuart Taylor's injured. And obviously, it's quite a weird role being a substitute keeper. Like, you're not playing at all, but you're right in the mix of it. And Arsenal are going for this invincible season. Uh, but Graham's mind is kind of on other things. So even in preseason, he starts to notice an opportunity when he squeezes his Ford Escort between Freddie Lundberg's Maserati and Thierry Henry's Renault Clio. Uh, and he thinks, okay, I can see an opportunity here. So he heads down to a pub where he knows a bloke who can get hold of things, let's say. And he loads up the boot of his car with knockoff Gucci clobber. So I'm talking handbags, jackets, you know, whatever stuff people buy from Gucci, wallets. And he sets up shop in the Arsenal training ground car park, opens his boot and starts flogging his teammates fake Gucci gear. So initially he's just like selling it to, you know, his old youth team pals. And then pretty soon some of the senior players notice what's going on. And they, they kind of drift over and they're like, yeah, I'll have some of that. And so some of the biggest names in world football buy fake Gucci clothes off Graham stack and then <laughs> pretend to their wives that they've been shopping in the West end, <laughs> come home with it all and just like gift them all this stuff that they think is real. Didn't um, Liam Brady stick his
0: head out the window and be like, what's going on here is this Camden Market or
3: what <laughs> well they came from Camden Market yeah. <laughs> there's a great uh, clip of uh, Graham Stack on the Ben Foster podcast talking about this particular pub and he said there's sort of gaff where you go and there'd be a guy and you can give him very specific instructions about what you want <laughs> so Levi five oh 34 inch waist 32 leg and then he'd be back within an hour <laughs> and vlog it to you regardless of what it was for 20 quid just anything that you want fast screen it,
0: TV yeah yeah,
3: 20 quid um, but they they asked him is this all real It's like nah no, nah, it was all counterfeit it was all it was all knockoff stuff it's just it's just sort of like the Del Boy Trotter of uh, of the Invincibles yeah. squad yeah.
1: so so obviously I don't know if the the senior players buying it know it's fake or not but like it's not coming in a Gucci you know shopping bag is it
3: no it's coming in a blue off-license plastic bag in there. <laughs> yeah, Gucci with a Y, yeah, yeah.
1: plastic leather. Anyway, the players will give it to their wives and they're none the wiser until the Arsenal Christmas party that year, which is held at a posh London hotel. And all these Arsenal players turn up with their wags and all the wags are kitted out in identical fake Gucci outfits, <laughs> at which point the penny drops and they all get an absolute earful. Um, I think Stacky kind of gets away with it, but the, uh, the senior players
0: are in big trouble with their wives. Love to have been a fly on the wall in those those conversations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, as the season's going on and Arsenal's starting to look like they might actually become the first team to win the Premier League unbeaten, Uh, Stacky's becoming less and less keen to get any playing time. He's watching Jens Lehmann, who, you know, is a complete nutter on the pitch and is always kind of on quite thin ice with referees, always looking like he might get sent off. And Graham said, he was looking at him and thinking, you're going to lose your head and I'm going to have to play. And he was like, I don't want to play anymore because I don't want it all to be on me, which... I have to say that's the mentality I would have as a backup keeper.
3: Yeah, a lot of backup keepers have a very easy life. You look at um, who is Scott Carson at Man City; just there purely just for vibes. In the he's not he's not like he's just there to. So he's for still a good there time. now. I think so. Yeah, think he's like forty three in the. He's got yeah. like... he's got the longest gap
1: between Champions League winning medals. I think because he won one with Liverpool and in, in you know when they beat AC Milan in yeah, Istanbul, and then he won one with Man City last season. So he beat, I think, like Maldini or someone had the record before. <laughs> Scott Carson. Did he play any actual games?
0: <laughs> uh, I remember seeing a tweet last year, or a few years ago anyway, when Scott Carson actually played a game for Man City and the um, apparently the commentators would, we were talking about Scott Carson coming on as if it was some, like, make-a-wish kid. <laughs> got, got, got a game. So it's so fantastic to see Scott out there. He's, look at this. He's got such a big grin on his face. <laughs> to so did- say that <laughs> it's made like three hundred Premier League appearances
1: <laughs> okay. I mean it's a weird career, isn't it being a, a self would you yeah, I yeah. think it would be quite a good career I'd quite enjoy that. Do they make a lot of cash.
3: Yeah, I mean, you still got a salary you still get paid at the end of the day but you don't get paid any unless you've got like bonuses for clean sheets and stuff you don't get paid anymore for, for you, full, would, you, you would
1: you would live in fear of that one moment where you're called on to play. I, I would feel the same way as Graham mm. did that season. Do yeah, it. Loris Kyrgios. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's what Sach says. He's like, look, obviously I wanted to play for Arsenal in a title-winning season, but it was getting to the point where they were so close to doing it invincible, which is this incredible achievement, and I just didn't want to be the guy who let them down. Mm, I get that. I totally so he said, get the, the, that. The tension going into games was scary. <laughs> However, he does get some game time that season when Wenger calls him back into his office and Arsene says, uh, Graham, it is uh oh, you say, League Cup third round against Rotherham tomorrow and uh, I am starting the kids. You will be in goal. So Graham's like, right, I'm finally playing. And, you know, it's, it's Rotherham, so it's probably a bit less scary League <laughs> Cup. Mm. Actually, this is the game where Cesc Fabregas makes his debut, age 16. Uh, But it's not remembered for Fabregas' performance. It is remembered for Stackey because the match finishes one all. And Graham says, as it was getting closer and closer to a draw, I was thinking, right, I don't want extra time here. I want penalties because I want penalties. is like a free hit for a goalkeeper. Yeah. If they all go in, who, you know, who really cares? And if if you do save one, then you make your mark. Uh, And Graham does let most of them in. It goes to penalties and uh, it, it goes to, I think, eight all. Uh, and he's, you know, he's just letting another. When he notices all his teammates are pointing at him from the halfway line, he's like, "Oh fuck, it's my turn to take one." So Graham steps up and absolutely buries it. He scores a penalty in the shootout, which I, everyone likes a keeper in a shootout. Yeah. Uh, so he's probably buzzing at this point. And then it's Rotherham legend David Swales' turn to step up and keep keep the Millers in the shootout. Uh, he goes left. Stacky dives left as well, palms it away and saves it. And I think actually then Will Tord scores one to win the shootout for them. But Stacky's mobbed by his teammates and proclaimed an Arsenal legend. It's an amazing moment because even in this invisible season, he's obviously not the headline, but it's a, it's a great little uh, sub story.
3: Yeah, side quest.
1: Yeah, side quest, exactly. <laughs> um, and then Wenger says to him, look, you'll be my keeper for the whole cup. So, you know, you've got a shot at silverware here. Unfortunately, they are eliminated in the semis by Middlesbrough. Mm-hmm. Uh, li- which means Graham does spend the rest of the season warming the bench. Uh, obviously, Arsenal do go on to finish that league campaign unbeaten. They win the league, famously, at White Hart Lane. Uh, <laughs> Stack says they w- obviously won the league at White Hart Lane, home of their biggest rivals, and everyone's buzzing, apart from Jens Lehmann, who's livid because he didn't keep a clean sheet and apparently just like refuses to celebrate, which is the mark of a man. I think from their two parallel tales this season, you can get a sense of like what mindset makes you a top world-class keeper and what makes you like, you know,
3: third choice. Is that unfair? No, I think that's, I think that's justified. Also, you were talking about, obviously, Lehman's an absolute nutter in his own right. He went on record in an interview and they, you know, he's got this reputation being this mad goalkeeper. So who's the maddest player that you ever played with? He's like, oh, you think I'm mad? You need to meet Graham Stack. Oh really? Yeah, he says that Graham Stack was even nuttier than he was. Yeah, that's amazing but mm. I mean, they
1: have Ray Parler
0: in that squad who I thought maybe would be a candidate
3: yeah yeah, but no Graham Stack
0: that's quite an accolade though like you might not get a league winner's medal but Jens Lehmann says I'm the most nuts guy he's ever met yeah. <laughs> yeah stick that on your on your wall on your trophy
1: cabinet yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't get a medal you'll see him in the celebration photos he's he's like right in the middle Graham Stack like an Auburn head keeper smiling the forgotten invincible but he doesn't have a medal around his neck which I'm confused about because I thought subkeepers do, do... Have they changed the rules so keepers now get medals?
3: I'm not sure. He probably flogged it. Made, <laughs> made, a, made a quick, <laughs> quick, quick buck. Down the pub. Yeah. Down
1: the dog and duck.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: anyway, that's that's the end of his Arsenal career, isn't it? Goes out on a high. Yeah, so at the end of that season, he leaves Arsenal uh, initially on loan and has a bit of a nomadic spell. So he goes first off to to Millwall where he actually, actually does play quite a lot at Millwall. Then does a couple of years at Reading, Leeds where he doesn't really play. And in 2007, he ends up at Wolves with uh, Mick McCarthy. Um, He only, only makes two league appearances for, for Wolves there, but he's, he's still a very popular figure in the dressing room. I think he's good around the camp is, uh, is what they say. So that year, the Wolves squad go up to Glasgow for their Christmas party. And they, they stay there for a couple of nights and have, you know, have it large. And, Mick McCarthy, I think he kind of knows what's going to be going on. So he decides to organise this training session for the morning when they get back. So they've got this early flight back to Birmingham Airport, I guess, wherever they flew into. And um, the minibus picks them up to take them to training. And they're driving down the motorway and they get stuck in traffic. And everyone's sat on this bus, like really hungover from the night before. Nobody's talking. And Graham's there and he's like, "I've I've got to liven things up a bit. So he looks out the window and there's a van in traffic next to them with a trailer on the back, this like flatbed trailer with a Harley Davidson on the back. And Saki's like, Oh yeah, that's a bit of me. <laughs> so he opens the door, jumps out and and climbs into the trailer and gets on this, uh on this Harley Davidson and starts like pretending to rev the engine. um And the boys in the bus are going wild at this point the traffic clears up and they start moving and it starts speeding up and up. He's going like 40, 50 miles an hour down the motorway and Stacky's still sat on the back of this bike. Um, and he could like look, look to the side and he could see all the boys in the, in the mini bus, just like loving it. And then suddenly he's like, fuck, I, like, there's a junction coming up. Like <laughs> we've got to get to training. Like what's, what's Mick McCarthy going to say? And uh, just as they're getting to this this uh, junction, he has a stroke of luck that the, the traffic comes back or the, and they they kind of slow down enough that he can hop off the bike and get back in the van. He makes it to training. Well, uh, two questions. Was Mick McCarthy not on the team bus? No, I think Mick, Mick McCarthy wasn't up in Glasgow with them. So oh, I think course, the boys yeah. have been up in Glasgow for their party <laughs> and then... Right, he'd organised this training session for when they got back. It's a bit cruel, to yeah. be honest. But what about the bloke driving the car that's training the didn't Harley? Know it <laughs> he None the <laughs> wiser. Maybe, yeah. But is that Wolves backup keeper Graves <laughs> I mean, going <laughs> to wreck in my rearview mirror? Who's that bloke with tats on my Harley? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he he gets away with it, and at the end of the season, he he leaves Wolves, only having made a couple of league appearances. And the next stop is Plymouth, where the wild stories keep coming. So. Plymouth go on their pre-season tour to, uh, Stacky, Stacky says that it was it was to Finland, but few people online have like checked the Plymouth records and they'd never been to Finland on tour, they'd actually been to Austria. So anyway, they're at this, uh, at this training camp in a small town in the Finnish-Austrian border, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that lesser known yeah. bit where those two countries meet. <laughs> And they have this night out, and they they've been on the beers. And at some point, most of the most of the Plymouth squad go back to the hotel, but Stacky and the fitness coach decide to carry on. Which I don't know, you can kind of ask questions about that fitness coach. Which he's like, I don't know, maybe maybe he was like, all right, Stacky's the reserve keeper. We can yeah. bring him out. The box to box midfielder will send him back to the hotel <laughs> with a, with a protein shake. But Stacky, you're coming with me. <laughs> and uh, they end up in this strip club, and they're pretty pretty drunk at this point and for some reason there's bowls of fruit in this in this strip, strip club it's some kind of like breakfast bar come strip club and the two of them start lobbing fruit at each other which obviously doesn't go down too well with the the bouncers and they they see the bouncers making a beeline for them so they decide to leg it and they head through this fire exit go through the cloakroom and they they don't have their jackets with them so like fuck we just grab grab whichever jackets. they both leave with like a few jackets each and leg it down the road and around the corner and which point they spot these workmen doing the road and they've left their digger unattended. So Graham jumps behind the wheel of this digger and drives it off down the road <laughs> and back to their hotel which I don't know now, now, I, now I tell this story it does sound very much like bollocks. Can you just jump on a <laughs> digger and they're easy to drive? So were, they, were, the, were the workmen doing the road at like 3am? Yeah they might just leave two, them there. Just two of them.
3: No, the workmen were there. Well, you got to do it overnight. Yeah, because they've got to shut roads yeah. up. How, how fast is a it digger? It's a small, it
0: small town on the finnish Austrian border. I don't know if there's much uh, <laughs> through traffic. <laughs> how fast is a digger? Well? <laughs> don't know. There's a common theme
1: with these stories of him just getting behind the wheel. Yeah, his dad's yeah, car, yeah, the team bus, yeah, the true, digger, yeah, the yeah. Harley Davidson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't he say he woke up in the morning the next day and his room was just full of these
0: jackets yeah, that he takes like like Debenhams. <laughs> <laughs> so. After that, he, uh, he he does a couple of couple more clubs and ends up at Hibs up in Scotland. plays for, plays there for three years and he actually does play this time. I think he makes like fifty four appearances or something. His spell there is remembered better for another reason though, because in the build up to a big game against Rangers, BBC Scotland visit the Hibs training ground to do a few interviews, and the uh, the reporters interviewing two of the Hibs players on the training ground. And suddenly on a live broadcast, Stacky comes dancing behind them, completely naked. (laughs) And they have to sort of quickly cut to the studio. Like, oh, sorry about that. Uh, (laughs)
1: Is there Um, there
3: any footage? There is footage. There
1: Doesn't the the TV news anchor, when it cuts back to the studio, says something like, sorry for those of you, we've put off your dinner.
0: (laughs) We did have one last try at interviewing the pair together.
1: However, <laughs> <laughs> he does like star jumps, but.
0: Yeah, it looks like the teammates being interviewed know it's coming as well. I guess they can see him getting his kit off. Apparently, the, the reason that he did it is because the the Hibbs manager had, had famously done that in another interview years before. That's quite sweet. Yeah, yeah. A tribute. A tri- a tribute.
3: An homage to... Yeah. Uh, Scottish
1: football is more fun, isn't it? It feels it like it's got a lot of the flavour of how
3: English football used to be. Yeah. <laughs> also, is that not like... If that is getting broadcast live, is he not in danger of... Uh, in indecent exposure, so you get put on a register for that kind of well, behavior. For a bum really? like that, Bums. I don't know whether there's no, bum. There's yeah. no full
0: frontal, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, bum she, cheeks. And George is clutching his pearls. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you go to the gym with Jack. <laughs> 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 Look, just bring your own tea bags.
3: Yeah, <laughs> less about tea bags in that context, please. Yeah. <laughs>
0: after after Hibs he he goes back to England and signs for Barnet in League 2 makes plays 125 games in in four seasons for Barnet so is this is only
1: run in a first team well game? he
0: plays a lot for Hibs as well but i think he's what you describe as a Barnet legend <laughs> <laughs>
3: Barnet legend
0: <laughs> name one other Barnet legend i'm trying <laughs> oh
3: there's got to be one that we can think of
0: uh, oh yeah i mean he he crosses over during the spell with Certified Barnet legend, Edgar Davids. There you go. Um, they so they sign at the same time. And you remember Edgar Davids had this very tempestuous spell, first as a player and then a manager at Barnet. So apparently in their in their first training session together, Davids came up to Stacky and was like, Stacky, do you mind if I take the number one shirt? Stacky's like, <laughs> Was the number one? Like you, you play in midfield. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to try and uh, make a uh, trend of uh, midfield players wearing uh, the number one shirt. Um, <laughs> um, so I guess like, it? okay, okay all, right, all right, whatever you say, which is a bit of a weird move. It's a, it's a bit attention seeking, really. Very. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't quite go to plan because David gets three red cards in his first eight games for Barnet. That is mad. Yeah. <laughs> But what's even more mad is that that somehow bags him the manager's job when when the when the manager resigns. Um, See, so he, he's he's like player manager, um, not very successful. They get relegated to the conference at the end of that season, and Stacky has some some pretty good stories of uh, Edgar Davids as a manager. Apparently, he wasn't the most professional role model. Like he he'd turn up late for games, forget his boots. Um, they come in at halftime and the players are expecting like an inspirational team talk from this Champions League player and uh, Davids would just sit there on his phone at halftime. He'd also apparently in training just like slide in two-footed on people and then just be like bollocking the youth team players. (laughs) So they all, I don't think they, they were that much of a fan. He also had these uh, creative excuses for not making it to away games. So there's one story, um, I think they were playing Hartlepool or someone like up up north, really far up north. And um, Stacky got a phone call from one of his mates the night before the game being like, you know, you know, your managers at the Marylebone Hotel in London. And Stacky's like, what? No, he's not. He's he's at a management conference. (laughs) And he's like, no, I don't know. He's he's here. He's got two girls with him. And he's in the, the Marilyn Monroe Hotel. I'd recognise him with those glasses anywhere, or like in the casino or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As <laughs> as so she
3: said, he is the most recognisable yeah. footballer <laughs> yeah. ever. Maybe like. Yeah there's no like is that Edgar Davis? like dude with dreadlocks and orange tinted yeah. glasses like it's obviously it's Edgar Davis.
1: also is it a valid excuse to miss an away game because you're at a conference like <laughs> yeah. you're the manager <laughs> Man- you manager. can't miss a game.
0: management conference <laughs> so is it just that he do, could- they, do they organise manage- football management conferences on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> <laughs> meet at 3pm <laughs> in the Malabone
1: hotel <laughs> bring two cool girls <laughs> also what was
0: it just that he didn't want to have to stay over the night yeah apparently Edgar Davies refused to go on any away trips that required an overnight stay. <laughs> you're the manager? Yeah. So who does it?
1: The assistant just takes the reins. I guess so, yeah. Whoever that is. Ronald yeah. DeBoer or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think Edgar Damage doesn't last too long there. A couple of years, I think. It sort of so does... Beg- the- stays four.
3: It sort of does beg the question. Like, clearly he, could, he just couldn't be fucked to being a manager. Like, why, why didn't he just retire to a nice barge in Amsterdam and like you know sort of live out the rest of your days getting beers bought for you by the locals and just having a nice retirement why like why venture into doing mm, that
1: yeah. you quite often see I've seen him in London in a nightclub I mean yeah. yeah shook his hand Did yeah. you? at the box which you know is that like nightclub that sometimes has like blokes putting traffic cones up their bum on stage.
3: Kind of. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Was he claiming to be a management Join conference? me, <laughs> George. <laughs>
1: Straight from the showers. The Won't need your tea bags. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I've seen him, and, and he does a bit of punditry, doesn't he? There's that. There's a video of Egedavis where he swears during his punditry and it's like, what? What's the problem? Yeah. He's a bit yeah. of a loose cannon. Um, Legend. Were Barnett kind of doing a bit of a, like... You know, when lower league clubs get a bit of a wacky owner and he's like, I'm just going to have some big names here, flog a few shirt sales. Is that, yeah, that I the- think
0: so. I mean, it's, when you think of Barnet, you do think of Edgar David still. So I think it's probably, do I, do I run it? I don't often think of Barnet, <laughs> but Barnett when I do. Too, but yeah. <laughs> but
1: this is now like the twilight of Graham's career, isn't it? He, he finishes up at Barnet. He has a little spell in India with Kerala blasters. Nice. Owned by Sachin Tendulkar, the India cricket legend.
3: Yeah, we we like quite a few goalkeepers go out. Um, David James as well. He, he had a spell in India. Yeah, I don't know what it is I,
1: I don't know if, if it's still going but there was like a spell where India did, had this like marquee signing thing where mm. they had like Zambrotta was managing a team and yeah. it's not that marquee <laughs> Zambrotta <laughs> and Graham Stack David <laughs> Seaman the dream team
3: uh, the actually, dynamic duo
1: that Stacky is. only plays seven games for Kerala Blasters but I did see a comment on YouTube underneath a video of him from a, an Indian fan being like we will always remember you club legend <laughs> <laughs> oh. seven games Stacky says that apparently they're playing in front of like 80,000 fans in, in some games so they play in cricket grounds, I guess. And he's like, it's mad. You're not yeah. allowed to take phones in. So he couldn't film it. But he said it was wild. He does a bit of coaching there. Um, and then he becomes a coach at Watford, uh, where I think he's working with Ben Foster. Mm. Anyway, last summer, he got an interesting job because Robbie Keane is now managing Maccabee Tel Aviv in Israel. And I think he knew Robbie Keane, maybe Stacky played for Ireland under 21s. I don't know if that's how they know each other. They cross paths and Robbie hires him as his goalkeeping coach. And on the 9th of July, 2023, Maccabee Tel Aviv released a statement saying, we've hired Graham Stack. He's joining us. And on the 21st of July, 2023, Israeli newspapers reported that Maccabee Tel Aviv goalkeeper coach Graham Stack has been arrested over a violent confrontation in a nightclub. And on the 23rd of July, two weeks after he'd been announced, Maccabee Tel Aviv announced Graham Stack is leaving his position <laughs> as goalkeeping coach. So he lasted two weeks. I don't know if he even managed a training session.
0: Probably not. He's probably just, just settling in.
1: right? Anyway. Yeah. And that's basically it. I, there's, there's a rumor we saw online that apparently he does like, he leads tours of ex-footballers on, on, in Ibiza. He's like a sort of like club rep slash tour guide.
0: Yeah, I, I really want to believe that's true. Checking, there's a career that sort of a in that. Probably, yeah. Could you just be like Grealish? Was- Give me ten percent of your spend. Yeah, I, I mean, I was googling this earlier, and the the only thing that came up about it was a picture of Graham Stack. Wilf Zaha and Jason Punchin in Ibiza <laughs> together in about 2012. But there you go. <laughs> oh, they're
1: not the same generation. So
0: that. No, I mean, no. like, got 10 years, 10, 15 years you're older than that. Yeah.
1: Give, give the upshot a few years and we'll be sort of arranging these guided tours where you can go with Stacky around Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> not Tel Aviv. Not, not welcome
3: there. <laughs> wasn't um, Jamie Vardy as well? Wasn't he a club rep out in Ibiza? Yeah. he was. For, he was at at one
1: point he was considering packing in football and doing that full time. Yeah.
3: And I think Grealish always says, I
1: would be a rep if I wasn't footballer yeah but he's they're both really good
0: mm.
1: uh yeah i can imagine stacky that spends a bit of time at Lineker's wayne Lineker's <laughs> shop over in ibiza maybe <laughs> see that place it looks like hell on earth yeah oh, i've actually been. <laughs> have you, have you been did you meet wayne no i didn't meet wayne you can't get near him if you're not a fit girl right. or a footballer yeah oh I, I dip my dip my toe in and that's the end of the stacky legend that brings us up to the present day so i, I mean it's a pretty charming story with a slightly unpleasant ending in mm. tel aviv So do you think there ever will be another player like that with that kind of story?
3: Mm, I don't know. I think in the modern game, everyone's so media trained and protected from these kind of antics that they're very hard to break through the ranks. However, Graham's son is a youth academy player. He's quite young. I think he's sort of eight, nine, ten. Keeper. 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 he's eight. (laughs) Yeah, playing for Watford Academy, I believe. But supposedly he's a right character so, uh, one to look out for. But on the Ben Foster podcast that Graham Stark was on, uh, he was saying apparently, apparently after uh, when Ben Foster was at Watford, uh, this kid's eight years old and uh, Watford had just like lost over the weekend. And apparently, this kid goes up to uh, Foster and goes, Oi, Ben, what was all that about? <laughs> eight year old kid. And Foster was like, I didn't play that badly. There's nothing I could have done about that guy. I like, justified himself to this like cocky little kid. So, so, yeah. Stack Jr. All
1: right. Well, George, thanks a lot. No, my
3: pleasure. My pleasure. It's good fun. And thank you, Zach. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Cheers.